Amen. So yes, again, happy Thanksgiving to you all. <laughs> it's good to see you. So let's get into the word. I was driving the other day and I saw a church sign which said this. Um, it was obviously a Thanksgiving themed sign, but it was a little different. It said this, thanks and giving. And I thought at first that they'd gotten it wrong. Um, however, as I thought about it, you know, there's a message there's a real message behind this. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about. So the thing is, um, whenever we think about giving, what do we immediately think about? We think about giving a gift to, to somebody, something nice to somebody, or giving our money to a cause, or even paying our tithes and offerings, you know, when we get together here. And actually, let me just say this. Um, while I'm talking about tithes and offerings, I just want to thank, on behalf of the, of the leadership here, the pastoral team, I just want to thank you guys for giving during this ep epidemic in this church, in this fellowship. You know, um, the needs have been met, our budget has been met, and there's more to spare. And you know what? I want to say thanksgiving to God's people today for being faithful. Yeah, let's, let's applaud. You know, there are many churches that are going under during this epidemic, but we've kept our, our heads above the water. And that there's something to be thankful about. And I just want to thank all of you today for giving during this epidemic. There's so many faithful people here in this fellowship. And as I said, we were able to cover all of our costs and more to spare. Thank, thank you to all you givers. So it's with Thanksgiving we say today that you're very much appreciated. Feel the appreciation this morning. <laughs> the Lord appreciates it, you know. So let's look today, however, at a different kind of thanks and giving. Uh, Psalm 138, the first two verses. This is a Psalm of David. It says this, I will give you thanks with all my heart. Some versions say, with my whole heart. I sing praises to you before the gods. I will bow down and worship toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word together with your name. So we're going to explore a little bit this morning what it really means to give thanks and zero in as this psalm denotes on the giving of our praise and worship. If there's anything we the church uh, need to be known for in these days is for the giving our, of ourselves to him in worship. So I'm sure you would agree with me this morning that he, we have so much to thank him for. He is so worthy of our praise and our adoration. Would you agree? So I love how this psalm begins. It says, I will give you thanks with all or my whole heart. You know that I was thinking about this and meditating on it, and I, it came to me that it takes a heart that has been broken, a heart that has been softened by the Holy Spirit to absolutely understand what has been accomplished for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. The great forgiveness that has been given to us and the grace, his grace, his overflowing grace that has been extended toward us. Can you marvel this morning at his grace? I want you to think about that. His grace is flowing to us even now like a mighty river. How wonderful is that? 
It's only that we then can we come to the place where we desire to praise him with everything we've got and everything we have. See, David understood this also because he writes in Psalm 51, just after Nathan, uh, the prophet, came to him about sinning with Bathsheba and spoke these forthright words to David, you are the man. You are the man who took someone else's little treasured lamb. You can read the story. It's quite the story. And up until that moment, do you know, obviously, David hadn't even realized. He was unaware, in fact, of the sin that he had committed. It took God's prophet to come and tell him, hey, David, that was not very cool what what you did. And God doesn't like it. And he writes in deep repentance uh, in Psalm uh, 51. He says this, My only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin. Such, O God, you will not despise. So often, do you know that so often, speaking personally, we can be unaware of some of our actions uh, or even our motives. It takes a broken and a contrite heart to come before the Lord, giving him the sacrifice of our praise and of our worship. Absolutely recognizing that we are nothing. (laughs) We are nothing except for the wonderful grace of God. And you know, there's a deep humility that accompanies this posture. And let me encourage all of our hearts today, because this is when God draws near to us says that he distances himself, actually, from the proud, but draws near to those who are humble in heart. Hallelujah. So when we come before him with our whole heart, there's no room left for mixed motives or or divided devotion. We have come to the place of utter abandonment. I love that word, before him. And all that matters to us is that we praise him with all of our heart, with all that we have. This is a wonderful place to be in. Can you say amen? In Luke 18, um, Jesus gives a parable exposing some of the people who were pretenders, if you like, of giving. Pharisees are Pharisaic in their behavior, so much so that they would view others with contempt. And Jesus begins the narrative by saying that two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood ostentatiously and began to pray, God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of men, swindlers, unjust, dishonest, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. The tax collector, however, standing at a distance, wouldn't even raise his eyes toward heaven, but was striking his chest in humility and repentance, saying, God, be merciful and gracious to me, the especially wicked sinner that I am. (laughs) Jesus was quite blunt, saying that this tax collector went home justified, forgiven, in right standing with the Lord. The Pharisee, however, was not in such a good place before God because of his pride and self-exaltation. Yeah, we need to be humble before him, a broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. Last Sunday, we were in Montreal, and I spoke on the account of the woman who history actually strongly suggests was Mary Magdalene. Jesus had delivered her from many demonic spirits. You know that story. We read that Jesus had been invited to a Pharisee's home for dinner. 
The Pharisee hadn't seen to it, actually, uh, that Jesus' feet were washed, even though it was the custom and the order of the day. Uh, what we have to realize is that they walked on very dirty roads, and they all walked on the same path with the camels, the donkeys, and any other animal that you can think of walked on. And everybody, all, the, all those animals defecated. That's a nice word for something that's not quite nice. Um, <laughs> on that path, right? <laughs> and so they wore open sandals, and all that guck would have gotten onto their feet, and their feet were very dirty, so they wouldn't have been able to go into someone's house. So the lowest of the low servants, that's the job they had of washing any visitors' feet that came into the home. But this Pharisee has invited Jesus to come uh, into his house, and he hasn't even had anyone to come and wash his feet. Then all of a sudden, this woman rushes into the room, and she comes and she washes the feet of Jesus, not from water in a bowl, but from her copious tears, and dries his feet with her hair, and then finally anoints his feet with a very precious oil, perfume, which was, which was actually very expensive. She worshipped him. Despite the fact that she wasn't welcome in that place, you know right that women were absolutely forbidden and certainly not welcome to come into a room full of men. This fact, however, wasn't on her radar. She only had one thing on her mind, and it was to be an anointer, a worshiper, it cost her not just the price of the perfume, that oil, but it cost her her reputation that day. But she didn't care. And Jesus welcomed her and said that she would be remembered down through the generations for what she had accomplished that day. She was over the top thankful for her freedom. The evil spirits, those demonic entities that had actually consumed everything about her, had gone with one word. Jesus had delivered her. And now she was so thankful. She was so free. She was giving back her worship to Jesus. Wonderful. And the question we can ask ourselves today is this. Are we willing, as she was that day, to come before him, to worship him? Not just here in church, by the way. Um, that's wonderful. But on a daily basis despite, basis, despite all the negatives. And there's many negatives around us. But our lives continually are to be a worship unto him. Worship can also come in the form of proclaiming him. Proclaiming our devotion to him to him in an inhospitable environment, just as Mary did that day. I'm sure you would agree that the environment we find ourselves in these days is not conducive to hearing anything about Jesus. Isn't that true? It's not politically correct to say we are believers in Jesus. We are considered to be extreme if we say that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. That's extreme. That can't be true. However, proclaiming him as the only way is giving him the worship that he is due. We are confessing to others who he really is. And he is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. Hallelujah. And, you know, we can do this in a humble, non-threatening, non-Bible-thumping way. When we love the Lord, we want everyone to experience His love and His forgiveness just as we have. If we have the real deal of Jesus in us, this comes automatically. We want to share it with others. Isn't that true? 
When we tell others we're actually worshiping him, did you realize that? Giving him precedence as the only true God. Another aspect of this worship is explained in verse 2. David says, I will praise you before the pagan small G gods. When we leave our homes, we are, I believe it, well, you can believe it or not, but we're entering enemy territory. How many know today that when we're in Christ Jesus and operating in and through the Holy Spirit, he comes and crowns us with his holy boldness? Do you feel bold in the Holy Spirit today? I do. I know what it's like to have Holy Spirit stirring within me. Do you? Yes, you do. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit equals boldness. As an example, I'm sure you've been in a group of people who are issuing out earthly so-called wisdom. Have you, have you experienced that? And you know it's just that, earthly wisdom. Man's human reasoning. And it's not cutting it for the person who needs some help right there and then. In that moment, the Holy Spirit downloads to you some incredible heavenly wisdom beyond your thinking. And you're marveling at what is being shown to you at that moment because you have the answer for that person. So what do you do? Do you clam up? And think to yourself, no, I can't say that because it won't be accepted. Or are you going to partner with the Holy Spirit and speak out his heavenly answer to the problem? Like that song that we sang last, this morning, um, and it's speaking to ourselves. It says, don't be shy now. Take off that cloak. That Actually, it's a false cloak of shyness. Take it off and begin to, begin to proclaim and, and to, uh, how great God is. Begin to give those heavenly answers that you're being given. You're proclaiming. You're worshiping him. Thanks and giving. Come on. Say hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, if you do, you are proclaiming the name of the Lord before these small G gods of this world. You're proclaiming him. You're worshiping him. Give and give with thankfulness because you have the answer. What a privileged people we are. We have the answer from heaven. We tend to think that idols, you know, were only in Bible times. But trust me, <laughs> there are many idols in our times. They may not be wood or stone carved by man, but they're just as real today as they were then. Uh, listen, <laughs> there are even idols within Christendom. Do I get an amen? Idols of man-made doctrines. Idols of philosophies, beliefs, which, by the way, have nothing to do with the gospel. It's time we proclaim the wonders of the cross and all of its victories. It's time to speak up and say, Jesus is the only name above every other name. It's time to launch out and be bold in the Holy Spirit, proclaiming his greatness. It's a worship to him. It's giving with thankfulness. My husband is delving into the life of Daniel at the moment. I'm sure he's going to share some of it with you in due time. And I don't want to steal anything from this study, but I'll, I'll just say this. He believes, and so do I, that Daniel's life is a picture for us as disciples right now in the kingdom. Daniel, while living in captivity in Babylon, proved to be one of an excellent spirit. He actually rose to the top while in captivity, in an alien environment, he became respected while in captivity. Not by hiding his God identity, 
but by serving a foreign king and the dignitaries of Babylon. You know the story. With Daniel, you see, it wasn't a case of me and them. He didn't say, don't you know that I'm a Jew? I have to stay separate from you, otherwise I will become unclean. No, he served, he helped, he gave wisdom in being able to interpret the king's dreams. And even when the king wanted his magicians to be killed off because they couldn't interpret his dream, Daniel intervened on their behalf so they wouldn't be done away with. So much so that after the lion's den episode, the king said, praise be to Daniel's God. Thanks and giving for us means this. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. So it's not a case of us and them. We are to be the ones with an excellent spirit, bringing God's wisdom and God's love into a world that so desperately needs him. Can you say amen? The verse goes on to say, I will bow down in worship toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. This verse is actually prophetic because the temple actually wasn't um, even erected until after the death of David. So David didn't literally bow down toward the temple because it wasn't there. He was, however, preparing his son to build a habitation for the Lord. So he was seeing the temple as being there already. See, David worshipped from his heart instead of the ritual of the time that everybody was used to doing we can see that he was prophetically ahead of his time. David felt within himself a deep hallowing, if you like, a deep respect for God. He knew that God's power was way, way, way beyond his power as king, and he did have a lot of power, or of any earthly king or any kingdom. God was greater. Along with reverence for Almighty God, there was also a recognition of the extreme loving kindness of God and that he was a God of all truth. David knew what it was to experience the loving kindness of the Lord despite his behavior at times because he had done some pretty not so good things. He understood that God's kindness, if you like, was bound together with the truth of who he was. This produced a deep, deep worship within him. Now we, the redeemed of the Lord, also have this understanding and revelation of who the Lord is. God who didn't spare his own son to come and die on our behalf. Oh, the loving kindness of the Lord, the God who created all things, sent his son, who now, as Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, the son, Jesus, upholds and maintains and propels all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word. We are worshiping today a perfect, holy God right now. Hallelujah. As we find ourselves here this morning in his presence, we are proclaiming his greatness. Just think right now, the seraphim are covering their faces with their wings because they actually cannot look at the brilliance of a holy God as they continue to cry, holy, holy, holy. Yet we can now come into the holy of holies 
boldly because of his complete sacrifice. We are welcome to come. What magnificent grace. What unimaginable loving kindness. What wonderful truth. We are welcome. We are welcome even now to come into his throne room today. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Oh, so let's try to come to grips with this today. We are welcome. We've been made worthy. We have been made righteous. We are in right standing with the holiness, with the very holiness of God because of Jesus. How can we not worship him for who he is and for what he has accomplished? His loving kindness and truth. Hallelujah. His name and his word have been established. Mm. The last part of this verse says, For you have magnified your word together, together with your name. The word magnified here can also mean glorified. Glory, you know, is the very beauty of who God is. He is beautiful. Have you received even a small unveiling of his glory? At times, it can seem as if the Lord, can I say this reverently, goes public and shows us a whisper of his glory. It's tangible. Do you sometimes feel like that? It's at times like this we can be so in awe and completely overcome by his glory. And all we want to do is bow in humble adoration before him. No words necessary. Glory is the radiance of his power, his authority, and his presence. And this should promote in us the desperate need. Do you have a desperate need to worship him, to praise him, and to make your boast in him? Now, the word magnify, as you know, means to make bigger, to increase. The ultimate goal of the disciple believer is to make the Lord and his word as large as possible in our lives. Look so often. Look, we magnify things that in the God's scheme of things and in the light of eternity are just totally minute. Would you agree? You know, maybe some minor irritants in our lives. And look, I'm not trying to, you know... There are some things that people are carrying even today that are huge and heavy. But I'm talking about those small little minor things. Uh, We can sometimes get really expert, you know, at magnifying, enlarging, making a mountain of a molehill, as the saying goes, out of these things instead of magnifying, enlarging the Lord and his word and his name. What a huge mistake. Because all of our answers are in him, in his name, and in his word. For instance, for example, if we have a disagreement with someone, so often that issue becomes magnified (laughs) and grows out of all proportion. Instead of going to him, calling on his name, and rehearsing and inserting his word into our spirits. His word has all the answers to our life experiences. His word and his name is healing. His word and his name is deliverance. Remember, all his promises today are yes and amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 69, we're having a quick tour through all the Psalms this morning. Psalm 69, verse 30, David says this, I will praise the name of God with a song, magnify and glorify him with thanksgiving. Now, if you were to read this entire psalm, you would see that David was in extreme danger 
at this time. He didn't have to enlarge his situation. It was already huge. And the psalm begins with, for instance, this psalm begins with this phrase, Save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. They have come up to my neck. Wow, yes, he was in trouble. But David knew where to go. He knew what to do when he was in bad situations. He always, always went to the Lord. And we can and we should do the same thing. We go to the Lord because he has all the answers. Another aspect we should understand is this, that we are living in an era where so many Christians these days are trying to manipulate his word and make it try and fit into what they really in their souls want to believe. People of God, it's not happening. In fact, God himself will not allow it to happen because the word of God says this, that forever his word is settled in heaven. Forever his word is settled in heaven. He's not going to change his word to make it convenient for me or you or anyone else. Many are doing this. And listen, I want to say to you, this is serious because you know what's actually happening? Many are even doing this and they're actually taking the Lord's name in vain. It's serious. Cannot be happening. Yeah. Jesus is not going to fit into any political theater. Jesus is not going to adhere to any man-made rule or religiosity. He is not going to fit into any man-made endeavor. Why? Because he is God. And he doesn't have to. Hallelujah. He doesn't have to fit into our... In fact, we are the ones that have to fit into him. Yeah. Yes. He has magnified, made larger, glorified his name, to, to his word together with his name. Hallelujah. It comes down to this. We have to give to him our thanksgiving and worship and praise. Not just when we come together in fellowship, although that's awesome, but our lives can be a worship day in, day out, proclaiming his kindness with thanks and giving. Getting back to the account of Mary worshiping Jesus by anointing his feet. When she opened that alabaster box, the fragrance of the perfume invaded every part of the room. It changed the atmosphere from one of, excuse me, dirty feet to a rich, beautiful, all-pervading aroma. Now look, when our lives are a worship to him, I want you to know today that wherever you go, you are carrying the fragrance of the Lord. It's inevitable. You are carrying the incense of worship. Look, people may not understand it, but they are aware of it. And look, here's an, an up-to-date example. When we came back from BC, our pool had turned a lovely shade of dark green. We have no idea what happened, but... So, you know, obviously there were many trips having to be made to the pool company to get some stuff to cleanse and purify it of all that nasty stuff. On one of these excursions, the person helping my husband said, I think you know so-and-so. I won't give the name. I think you know so-and-so, right? A person from this congregation. Um, she proceeded to say, oh, he is such a lovely, kind, considerate man. I wish all our customers were just like him. <laughs> what is that? Listen, it's the aroma of Christ emanating from a worshiper. You can change the smell of the world around you by carrying his very aroma. I want that more than anything else. 
Do you? Are you a worshiper today, 24-7? Are you changing atmospheres, the not-so-nice smell of the world around you? Are you carrying his fragrance, his aroma? Are you proclaiming only Jesus, not your version of who he is, not the world's version, but who he says he is? The one who upholds all things by the word of his power. The one whose name is above all other names. The church must come back to be first and foremost worshipers and proclaimers of his great name. Only then will we see his glory come into his church. Right now I'm afraid that the church globally is full of what's in it for me, the consumer spirit, human likes and dislikes. We the church must come to the place of proclaiming him for who he is. Who, who is he? He is the most holy God. We must open up the gates of our very beings and let the king of glory come in. Thanks and giving. Will you join with me this morning and make that decision to thank him continually for who he is and give him the worship 24-7 that is so due him. Find yourselves continually meditating on how lovely he is, on how glorious he is. I'm sensing that we the church need a brainwash, a decluttering of all that goes on in our minds, those things that would distract and would so occupy our minds so that we can come boldly boldly into his throne room and know and live in his presence as never before. This and only this is what will change the world around us. His glorious church will, will, will rise up. Jesus said, you know, that his church would rise in these days, in these days to be the worshipers we have been called to be. Thanks and giving. Will you stand with me and we're going to pray and I'm going to ask Holly and the team to come. We're going to sing that song one more time. Is it your desire today? And I know so, the majority of you are, I'm sure are. But we can worship him even more than we are doing even right now. Father, we just want to come to you today and we realize that sometimes we're even aware, unaware of what's in us. And Father, you want us to come to the place today where we are continually meditating on your gloriousness on your worthiness. We are always seeing how wonderful and how beautiful you are. We want you to come in this hour and fill our vision completely. We want to be so mindful continually of how large you are. Our little puny minds can't even come to this understanding but we believe that by the Holy Spirit you are going to come in these days and you're going to show us who we are in Christ Jesus and as we worship and continually worship we will too be enlarged and we will make room for you within us so father we are dependent on you today we are desperate for all of you and we want to be known as fragrance carriers in this day so that even the smell of the world around us can change and can be filled with the glory of the Lord. The earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. May it be so, we pray. May you use us and shine out through us, we pray in these days. Amen.